everyone, and welcome back to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast that brings you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering derecho in Iowa, the widespread damage from this powerful storm and how insurers are expediting claims even amid a pandemic. Plus, first day on the job, employer's mutual casualty CEO Scott Jean shares what it was like for him to send his employees to work from home as the first official act in his new role. But first, former Vice President Joe Biden will formally accept the Democratic nomination for president this week, along with his vice presidential nominee, California Senator Kamala Harris. The acceptance marks the culmination of the party's virtual convention that was originally planned to take place in Milwaukee. The four-night adapted convention featured appearances by Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, former President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, and the Republican former Governor of Ohio, John Kasich. Republicans will hold their own virtual convention next week, with Donald Trump set to formally accept the nomination from the South Lawn of the White House. Though August is traditionally a recess for Congress, House lawmakers are being called back to Washington this week for a Saturday vote. The vote is on legislation to block reported cost-cutting measures at the U.S. Postal Service that critics have said will hamstring mail delivery and disrupt mail-in voting efforts. Iowa homes, cornfields, utility companies, and government agencies have losses estimated at nearly $4 billion from last week's deadly derecho. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds filed an expedited presidential disaster declaration for money to help rebuild and repair. President Trump approved that declaration and paid a visit to Iowa to survey the damage. With hurricane-force wind gusts exceeding 100 miles per hour, the derecho damaged more than 8,200 homes and 13 million acres of corn, about one-third of the state's cropland. NAMIC chairman and CEO of First Maxwell Mutual, Randy Dravenga, says there are unique challenges in helping policyholders recover from a natural disaster during a pandemic. At this point in time, you, you do the best you can uh, with what comes your way, I always say. And in this situation, yes, we have been operating using as much technology as we could versus in-person and, uh, you know, direct physical contact with insured. So we were you know, uploading pictures, all those wonderful things. The, the, because of the, the storm and the amount of damage, um, you know, the guys, you know, we had that uh, conversation, you know, protect yourself so you can continue to serve the insurance, but we need to get uh, out on some of this damage. Uh, a lot of the large farms had substantial damage to confinement centers, grain bins uh, were a huge um, a factor in this storm as far as suffering property damage there. So um, we kind of switched gears and said, okay, this is not going to function. We need to get out there amongst our insurers because uh, the real challenge in this other aspect of the pandemic was uh, there was no electricity for numerous days. Some places still don't have electricity. And so many cell phone towers got knocked down that you, you just you couldn't get a hold of anybody. 
So that was, was another challenge, unique challenge to this one. First, Maxfield and other insurers in Iowa brought in outside claims adjusters from national catastrophe teams to expedite the high volume of business following the storm. Now imagine taking over as CEO of an insurance company and your first day on the job, you have to make the decision to send your employees to work from home because of a pandemic. That's exactly what happened to Employers Mutual Casualty CEO Scott Jean as he took on his new role last March. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Jean about overcoming the challenges of leading an organization while everyone works remotely. Joining me today on Unscripted is Scott Jean, President and CEO at Employers Mutual Casualty Company. Scott's been with the company nearly 30 years, but just this year he became CEO taking over from EMC's longtime leader, Bruce Kelly. Scott, congratulations on your new role, and thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Chuck. It's very great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, have this discussion. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, so let's just let's talk just a moment about Bruce. Uh, he, I remember I got the press release last December that Bruce was retiring. You were succeeding him plan for this year. Bruce served 28 years as CEO, which is a long tenure, even for a mutual insurance company where our leaders are known to be long tenured. And such a true gentleman, great industry leader. I was reminded of all the leadership roles that uh, Bruce had, um, you know, on various uh, trades and, and organizations. And so I just want to take a moment to say, you know, how much I enjoyed. We get together at least once a year for dinner, usually in New York around the industry meeting. And uh, such a treat to know Bruce, and I really wish him well in his retirement. You know, Bruce, uh, Bruce really set the standard and the example at EMC, uh, particularly on the front of ethical and uh, ethical behavior and just integrity. Um, Absolutely, you know, it, it makes it uh, makes it a lot easier to step into my role, knowing that's been the standard set at the company, the expectation and requirements, uh, just the expectation for every team member within EMC. Uh, to live by that standard, and he he really set the example for us. Well, he sure did. And one more thing we should note about Bruce, he had excellent timing because I believe his last day, March 11th, as CEO, was your first day, and there was a lot going on that week, as we remember. Uh, can you tell us about your uh, your first few days as CEO? Yeah, it was uh, certainly an interesting uh, beginning. I actually took over as president back on January 3rd and then CEO on March 11th. So to, to start off that week, I was actually down in Miami uh, for the AMBEST Review Preview Conference. I had a number of hosted dinners that I, that I attended, uh, involved in a lot of receptions that were, I would just say, not necessarily socially distanced. Um, I was there. I can a, confirm that. Uh... Yeah, it was a weird experience because actually I was on a panel discussion, so I kind of had to go. But I was a little surprised they had it because that was right when things started to get a little bit uh, crazy. Yeah, it was an interesting week. You know, I didn't shake a lot of hands, a lot of a lot of elbow bumps, but also a lot of very very close contact and sharing of, of large buffet food, and it was a interesting time. But uh, you know, even the hosted dinners were you know, dinners of 12 to 15 people around a table, all very close together. And it's just even hard to imagine that right now, uh, given the current environment that we've been working in for the past few months. But then I, I returned uh, late night on the 11th. That was actually the day that our policyholder meeting took place. 
and I officially took over as CEO that day upon Bruce's retirement on March 11th. So then came back in the office on March 12th and began having uh, conversations with our uh, senior leadership, executive leadership about how to respond to COVID and made the decision that day to send our team members home the next day. And we have not been back in the office since. So certainly a, a much different experience than I expected to have stepping in to the CEO role. Uh, and you know, the very, very first, first thing that I do, my official first full day in the office was to make the decision to send people uh, home and have them work remotely. Wow. That, that is uh, quite a beginning and uh, one that I'm sure you and, and your colleagues won't, won't soon forget. So how transition for remote work go for EMC? You know, I'll admit I was concerned about it. We've we've got 18 offices around the country, and we've had a number of people that have worked remotely, uh, at least part time. Um, a handful that had worked been working full time remote, but for the most part, our overall general population and team members had not been working in a remote environment before. Uh, a year prior to that, it would have been a, a very difficult transition because we had a lot of our team with uh, desktop computer rather than laptops. Uh, so as we began that transition, I think we had a very high percentage of our team that had laptops versus desktops on March 11th. We had uh, a few weeks prior to that been rolling out Zoom technology. We had set up Zoom rooms. We had been uh, loading and, and training everyone on how to use Zoom, not necessarily expecting a long-term work from home strategy for an extended period of time. Uh, but just because we knew that was something we needed to do uh, to make us better collaborators and communicators across the country. And so as we began that transition, it, it actually went uh, extremely well, a lot better than I expected. Yeah, you know, everyone has had the hiccups with the, the, the dogs barking, uh, kids walking in in the middle of the meeting, uh, internet going down, you know, uh, power outages as we experienced this past week with a storm that came through the Midwest. But really, for the most part, I've been very pleased with how well it's gone. In fact, I was asked in a meeting just yesterday uh, what my proudest moment at EMC has been. And I, my response was seeing how our team responded to COVID, seeing how quickly we were able to work in a remote environment and how we have continued paying every claim. We have continued underwriting policies and writing new policies. Uh, continued our, our risk improvement services. Really, everything has gone on slightly differently, but without a hitch, we're still delivering uh, the kind of customer experience we want to to our policyholders, our agents, and our claimants. Right, and that's what it's all about. Uh, you know, obviously, service to policyholders um, at a mutual insurance company. But when you think back, and you've been with the company almost 30 years, um, you know the old computer systems, the old way of doing business, talk about the transition from desktops to laptops, a fairly easy transition once you decide to make it. But think about the old days of mainframes and other systems that were entirely office-based. Um, imagine what an impossible transition this would be had we not innovated with technology. No, that is certainly the case. You think of the, the mobile technology that we have, uh, with the ability to communicate via via phone, you know, anywhere, everywhere we go, we have that ability to have communication and collaboration. 
you know, when I started EMC, I actually started as an intern while I was still in college. And I was actually hired to build a, a database for our reinsurance uh, department uh, on a PC. But everything was on mainframe. I came in my first day and they uh, was told to, uh, you know, log on to this mainframe. I'm like, well, I mean, no, how do we kind of log on it? For the mainframe. And I said, well, I'm actually here to, you know, build this database. He's like, well, you need that PK thing. I'm like, well, the PK thing, what's the PK thing? They said, well, it's around the corner on that other desk. I'm like, PK, PK. So I walk around the corner and I see the first departmental uh, PC sitting there, personal computer. Oh, okay. that's what he was talking about. PC, not PK. So to, to think of how far we've come with, you know, the first computer being on site in the department to now being mobile with laptops everywhere across the country, that technology has certainly enabled us to do things much differently than we would have been in the past. Absolutely. So starting with, um, you know, your first days as CEO, you have a new job, new challenge. You've got the, uh, you know, leadership team that you work with and the communication to all the company. How did you adapt to that? Did the remote environment hamper or affect your ability to kind of get in the new seat and, uh, and run the company? Quite honestly, I think there's, there's a lot of things that have been very uh, helpful. Um, you know, being, we've got, 1,200 or so employees in Des Moines, and then 1,200 employees, or maybe it's number similar to that anyway, um, outside. So um, a lot of our team members are remote outside of our corporate office. One thing I was concerned about was when, when you have a long-tenured CEO such as Bruce Kelly, you know, how are people going to react to the new guy coming in? Yeah, everyone knew me, but are they still going to be doing him as a CEO? And, you know, what if he happens to be walking on the uh, skywalk in downtown Des Moines, people see him, what are people going to think? And uh, this remote work environment really changed that. Uh, no longer people in the office. I don't think anyone has even seen Bruce um, over the past three or four months because we're in this mobile remote environment. One thing I started doing um, almost immediately was called uh, what we call Work for Homeless Scott. It's a weekly video series where I connect with our team members. We have a Q&A uh, opportunity where they submit questions, and then I every week respond to this question and usually bring in a guest that's a uh, five to ten minute uh, weekly video where people are able to uh, see me answering questions, being transparent. We've also started all team member meetings uh, almost at least two times a quarter, talking about results and talking about just our overall co corporate strategic plan. Where we spend uh, some time in presentation, but then open it up to a Q&A time period for all 2,400 employees across the country. And the, the response has really been overwhelming to see the number of questions that come in and the ability we've been able to create uh, a new a view of transparency, helping people to feel engaged and bought in. And quite honestly, I, I just don't think I would have gone to this extent with uh, countrywide communication and video communication, uh, Q&A, had it not been for COVID. So, you know, in retrospect, I wish I would have gone down that road, but I, I may not have done so quickly. So in a lot of ways, I think uh, the situation with the virus was helpful in helping me to become uh, the kind of the, the eyes of the company and let people see me as, as a new leader. Right. 
And I totally see that. I'm sure that communication was an important item that you plan to, you know, focus on in your first few weeks and months. But uh, COVID certainly, you know, put an emphasis on that for everybody. And I'm sure really made uh, you even more aware of the need to uh, stay in touch with your 18 offices and all. So I'm sure it yeah, what, silver lining that. that. That is certainly the case. And one thing I'll add too is, you know, I, I assembled a new executive management team and we were all people who had worked together in various aspects before, but uh, to then be faced within our first few months together uh, in our new roles, to be faced with uh, what I would call some extreme adversity, having to make some very right. quick and tough decisions. I, you know, there's nothing like adversity to bring a group of people together and make us stronger as a team. Exactly. Well, let's talk about um, some of the business side because you are a, a large commercial lines writer. Commercial lines has been most affected in this crisis. Uh, NAMIC has been at work, uh, you know, on the advocacy front on uh, defeating bad ideas like retroactive business corruption coverage, which has been active in several states, including some where you write. Uh, and then, of course, the comp market has been uh, dramatically affected. So, you know, any lessons learned so far in terms of, um, you know, the commercial lines of insurance and and the um, pandemic and, and uh, response to policyholders here in these five months? No, that's a good question. First of all, I want to thank you uh, for your advocacy, uh, for fighting against um, business interruption and being a, uh, an advocate on, on many different fronts. Uh, it's been very critical to, uh, to EMC and other insurance carriers to make sure we've got that advocacy and, and keeping things with a rational, logical movement and not uh, violating contracts that have been longstanding. But yeah, th there has been an impact on the commercial book. You know, for I think a lot of companies, we're expecting to see a reduction in premium. Now, with with commercial contracts, a lot of times your worker compensation premium is based upon payroll. Well, they have an estimate of what the payroll is when a policy is written. And then when that policy expires, there's an audit to actually determine what their actual payroll was. So when those policies expire, we are expecting to be returning some premium. We just haven't seen the impact of that as much uh, so far. But we have seen as reduction in uh, frequency and severity of loss uh, on some fronts because people haven't been on as much and because people aren't working as much. So there, there's a, a bit of a delay. We see the reduction in losses initially, and then the premium return will come later. So it's it's a little challenging to uh, estimate what the impact is going to be long term, and I, I think it's probably going to be you know, end up being a higher loss ratio in the end when you consider what's all things considered reduced frequency and severity, but also reduced premium. But it certainly has uh, had an impact on overall results, and even to what degree. Do insurance carriers expect to be paying workers' compensation claims? I've, I've seen some lawsuits uh, nationally for uh, workers who died or became very sick, and they tie it back to getting the virus while on the job. And then it, right. if you work, is the work comp carrier responsible for the injury that occurred uh, while uh, at work? You know, how do you estimate the possibility of paying those claims, and uh, how much IBNR do you establish for those? Those are a lot of things that are 
really are up in the air right now. Uh, so we're, we're doing our best to try to estimate the impact and book accordingly. Well, any other lessons you've learned along the way that uh, might be helpful to others? We're about to run out of time for this really great interview, but uh, anything you'd, you'd end with? I'd also note, as you mentioned, uh, I knew when you started, but I didn't know you started as an intern. Uh, that makes you a sample of two that I'm aware of from our membership. Sandy Perillo, CEO of Providence Mutual, who's close to wrapping up her career, actually started uh, closer to 40 years ago as an intern. So uh, we should have a panel discussion with you to talk about, uh, you know, intern programs that lead to uh, CEO roles for individuals who uh, start in, in our member companies. But any other uh, lessons learned along the way or closing thoughts for us, Scott? No, I, I think the, you know, the, the approach that EMC has taken, and I've tried to keep people focused on the fact that, um, you know, we can stand back and be victims and say, you know, look what's happening to us. Or we can be opportunistic and say, okay, how can we use this uh, to project our future, to improve our future outcomes? How can we use this as a springboard uh, to improvement? You know, you've seen other companies that have begun to change their creative direction because of COVID and uh, are really benefiting from it or at least setting themselves up for future success. You know, a lot of companies outside the insurance industry. And I think that's one thing that EMC is trying to do is to be very forward thinking, strategic about how we can uh, take advantage of the COVID situation to make ourselves better in the end. And that'd be my encouragement to everyone else too is uh, let's not step back and be victims and say, look what happened to us. Let's be forward-thinking and think about how can we become a better insurers, better insurance carriers, and project a great image uh, to uh, everyone about what the insurance industry is and who we're about, what we're about. Right. And as you talk about uh, opportunities, uh, one of them I'm sure going forward that all companies will look at is remote work. And I've been uh, many times to your beautiful headquarters, uh, you know, in downtown Des Moines, but I'm sure that um, you know, we all recognize that um, we have more options perhaps than we had uh, previously recognized about uh, uh, work and uh, remote work and you know, relying on all these uh, technology systems that we have uh, to enable to do things outside of offices. So, yeah, well, so Scott, what does that look like again. long term? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what it looks like long term, right? Oh. I'm curious. Oh, I, I, I said, what, what that looks like long-term, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, many, right. many questions up in the air, but I, I think the work environment of the future, the workspace of the future is going to look much different than it has in the past, not just for EMC, but um, really everywhere in every industry. I totally agree. Well, again, Scott, congratulations on the first five months, and uh, sorry it's been during a global pandemic, but uh, EMC has a long, great history, and such a successful company. I know under your tenure, that success will continue. So thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing some of your experience. Oh, you're welcome, and thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back on September 2nd with more insurance news and interviews. And remember, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.